0: Unfortunate name combinations. So this is my theological study for you this week. Unfortunate name combinations. The Mann family had a daughter, and they named their daughter Anita. Anita Mann. Terrible, I know. Uh, You ever met the guy named Rob Banks? Like, (laughs) these are real. Uh, uh, Have you met this lady, Eileen Wright? Eileen Wright? Come on, this is good stuff. Uh, this is an older name, Lois, uh, Lois Price, Lois Price, wonderful lady, I hope you meet her. Uh, uh, there was a gal who, before she got married, she was named Teresa Green, Teresa Green. Uh, she got married and her new last name became Teresa Brown, Teresa Brown. Uh, just in case, anybody met just in case? Uh, what about what about Ricochet? Ricochet, Ricochet. Uh, Actually, I was thinking, I I knew this guy, but I don't. Uh, But Tim Burr, anybody met Tim Burr? I knew a Tim Burke, but not a Tim Burr. And uh, I I think the last one, (laughs) Shonda Lear. (laughs) Put those together? Oh, gosh. Names are important. Names can reveal a lot about you. And so this is why when we look into uh, the Bible, this is why when God promised the Messiah... He gave very, and he described these very four important names for us to understand, to reveal to us who our Savior is. And so this is kind of what we're looking at uh, this Christmas season, as we're in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, where where God gives these four descriptive names to describe what the Messiah, what Jesus is going to be like. Again, uh, that verse uh, encourages, encourages us in whatever situation we face. So Isaiah 9, chapter 6, uh, Jim read it earlier today. I'll read it again. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And today, uh, we're going to look at the the, the title that, that God gives to Jesus called Everlasting Father. Now, I want to just pause right now and, and give you just a little bit of theology because some of you are sitting in your there, sitting in your pew and thinking, well, well, Jesus, how can God call Jesus the everlasting Father? Like, like he's not the Father, right? Like we understand within the Trinity, within the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that there are three distinct persons in the Trinity. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These things are, 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 are distinct, different. Uh, uh, they're they're, they're distinct in who they are. And so when God calls Jesus the everlasting father, that doesn't mean that, that Jesus becomes the father. What that means is when God calls him everlasting father, it's meant to help us understand how Jesus is going to relate to us. When God calls him Everlasting Father, he's communicating to us that through the relationship that Jesus has with us, that he behaves and loves us in a way that the Everlasting Father would love us. And so, just to clarify that, that Jesus is meant to help us see that he loves us like the Father that we've always longed for. And that gives us a little bit of understanding of who Jesus is as the Everlasting Father. Now, When we start talking about the idea of a father, the idea of a dad, there's probably no greater word that that conjures up different emotions inside of us, right? Like when we say dad, uh, there's these emotions that begin to to fill our minds. There's memories, there's emotions, there's images that churn in our minds. Listen, some of us in this room, we've got some really positive images of dad. We think back about our dad, uh, the experience we've had with him, and those those memories are fond, and they're cherished, and they bring smiles, and they make our hearts happy. And listen, I, I would say this, that as a father of five, man, it's not easy being a dad. It is not easy at all. Dads are far from perfect. We share plenty of our own mistakes. And so if you can look back on the experience and you have a good memory of your dad, man, that's something to be thankful for. That's something to to praise God for. What more could you ask than you to look back and have those positive memories? The reality is, though, when we throw out that idea of father, uh, the idea of dad, There's many of us that don't have those positive memories. In fact, I would say that for most of us, for many of us, that the greatest pains in our life come from this relationship with our dad because of the brokenness and the dysfunction and the things that happened. And this is why it's important for us to recognize this. Whatever your experience, whether it was good or bad, this is so important for us because when we think about father, when we think about our dad, whether it was good or bad, we have this tendency to to project the image of our earthly father onto our heavenly father. And so, so what happens is whatever your dad experience was on this earth, you have this lens, you put this lens on, and that's the filter for which you view God. And so if you've got this good experience with your dad, that's great because that helps you see God. You've got a negative experience with, God, with your dad that clouds your ability to see who God is. And listen, even, even if you've had a good experience with a father, then I mean, every father still falls short of God's standard of what God would say. So whatever our experience is with a father, it has begun to to warp our view of God. It impacts how we see Christianity. In fact, if you were to talk to a counselor uh, going to do some reading, oftentimes there's three different types of father wounds that will affect how we view God. I want to talk to these real quick. Number one is maybe, maybe for you growing up, you had the never satisfied dad, right? This is a dad. Who no matter what, you, you never get to hear, I love you. You never get to hear, I'm proud of you. In fact, there was a, there was a pastor uh, that I met a while ago and he shared this story about his wife. He said, you know, my, my wife's dad, he wasn't abusive. He, he was there, he provided. Uh, but this is something she had never heard from him. She had never, never ever heard him say, I'm proud of you. I love you. Good job. And so this girl, she grows up in this home. She goes off to college. She's the first person in her family to go to college. And and she's getting ready to graduation, and she's got a 4.0. She's got all these academic um, achievements that are going along with her graduation. And as her and her friends are talking about graduation, her friends are all longing, man, I can't wait to walk across that stage and hear all those people cheering for me. And she said, you know what my dream is? My dream is not to hear people cheer my name when I walk across the stage. My dream is that when I walk off that stage, that my dad would come walking up to me, running up to me, through the crowd, and say, I'm proud of you. I love you. Good job. Day comes for graduation. She walks across the stage, gets her diploma, walks off, and she sees her dad coming towards her, and she's like, this is it. This is what I've always dreamed about. Dad walks up and says, honey, it's getting late. Got a long drive home. It's probably better. We best be going. Crushed. Listen, some of us have had that kind of experience with the father. And that has affected how we view God, affected how we view this world. And so we, 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 when we have this kind of dad, we feel like we have this need to constantly try and perform, to constantly try and be better, to earn his approval. Or maybe, maybe we just get so tired of it, maybe we begin to rebel. We just begin to rebel to try and get that attention. And Listen, if we've had that kind of experience, oftentimes when we take that view of our father and we cast that onto God, Man, it seems even though theologically we might understand that God loves us, even though theologically we might know that God loves us, we always have kind of that that constant nagging thought in the back of our mind. We have that unspoken doubt. I haven't done enough. There's no way God could be pleased with me. Yeah, yeah, God loves me. I know that, but, but have I done enough for him? We have these thoughts that run through our mind. No matter what we believe, we have these thoughts that run through our mind where where I bet God would be happier if I was a better Christian. We begin to look around at other people and think, man, if I was more like that person, man, God would be so proud of me. God would finally be pleased with me. We're left waiting and longing for that true acceptance. second kind of uh, father wound comes from having an angry dad. This is a dad that you never knew what to expect. If he had a a tough day at work, you know that it's the smallest thing that would just set him off. And around your dad, you walk on eggshells, just just waiting because you know any moment he's going to fly off the handle. He's going to start screaming and shouting full of anger. And you almost are are terrified. You're terrified for, for when that's going to happen. And maybe, maybe it wasn't just the anger. Maybe it was even the words that he communicated to you. When he said things like this, like, you're never going to amount to anything. Uh, you're a loser. We never meant to have you in the first place. You're just a mistake. Listen, the reality is, there are many of us in here who have experienced abusive actions from our Father. I think statistically... Statistically, in the United States, 7% of men and 18% of women have been abused at some capacity as a child. Staggering. And if that's been your journey, you begin to, to look through that lens to the everlasting Father, and it probably leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and, and honestly, who can, who can blame you for that? Because when you have this kind of experience with your father and you begin to to cast it up on God, man, it makes God someone you can't trust. It makes God, where, where you have a hard time leaving things in his hand because you're fearful of how he's going to respond. How can you trust him to take care of you? Or you try and contain him. You try and control the situation. So that way you can control his anger and not get onto his bad side. And when something goes wrong, you feel the weight of it. It's my fault. What did I do this time? Man, it's my fault. Third father wound is the barely there dad. Statistically, again, this is just crazy. 40% 40 of kids live in a fatherless home. Staggering. Staggering. Some through uh, divorce, others through uh, dad that was just never around, dad who took off. Uh, some of us through, through a father who died too early. And what happens is when a kid has this experience where dad is, is not there, they begin to interpret that absence as personal rejection. And so because dad's not there, it makes me feel like, well, I'm rejected because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I'm not important enough. And so there comes with this experience, there comes this sadness, this fear of being alone. And when you have that, it begins to project itself in in anger or you begin to project project it in other areas, whether that be athletic or sexual success, to prove the value that you never got from your dad. To prove the worth that your dad should have given you, but because he wasn't there, you've got to go and seek it out in all sorts of other areas. Similar to this barely there dad would be the emotionally distant dad, right? Some of us had the emotionally distant dad where dad was there. I mean, dad dad was constant. Dad provided, but he caused incredible damage because he was not emotionally engaged with the family. In fact, I read this uh, in a book a couple years ago. I wrote this down. There are three things that every kid needs to hear from their dad and they need to hear it often. Three things kids need to hear from you. They need to hear, number one, I love you. They need to hear, number two, I'm proud of you. And they need to hear, number three, you're really good at whatever it happens to be. Because when a, a child does not hear those things, they're left with this unrelenting desire to prove themselves so they can have that affirmation from somewhere, from something. In fact, I read this as well, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, possibly one of the greatest athletes who ever lived, uh, played professionally in football and baseball at the same time. Just phenomenal. And this is what, this is what Bo Jackson said. Out of all of his success, he said, my father has never seen me play any football or baseball game. Can you imagine that? Bo Jackson, one of the best athletes in the world, sitting in his locker room envying lesser players whose dads will come in and congratulate them and talk with them about the game. Here's Bo Jackson, full of money, success, and he's envious of those players who may not be very good, They've got a dad who'll sit there and talk with them. I know some of you are also thinking about this. You're thinking, well, Ricky Bobby, right? Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. Like his dad never came to watch his race. Every race that that Ricky Bobby, he left tickets that will call for dad to come and watch. And dad never came. And left him with this unrelenting desire to prove himself. Listen, what is... What has your journey been with your dad? What's it been like for you? Do you have those good and fond memories? Man, I, if that's you, you've got good and fond memories of your dad, man, I, man I, I tell you, you need to call him. You need to just say, God, dad, thank you. Thank you for being a good dad to me. Take that time today. Don't wait. Do it. Make it, make it known. And if your experience with your dad was maybe one of the examples we shared or it was difficult, man, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that's been your experience. You're not alone. You're not alone. I can tell you you're not alone. But what I want to ask you to do is just for a second today, just for a second, I want you to, to, to set that picture of your dad aside. I want you to set that picture of your dad, whether it was good or whether it was bad, I want you to to set that aside and, and give Jesus, the everlasting father, the opportunity to tell you who he really is, right? That just for a few minutes, that we wouldn't look at Jesus through the lens of our own father, but that we would set that aside and allow scripture to tell us what the everlasting father is like. That we would just say, God, 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 through your word, would you help us understand who you are and what you are like? We're going to look at this three things that scripture tells us about what our everlasting father is like. Number one, our our everlasting father is absolutely, absolutely crazy about you. He He is crazy about you. He's not like the dad who's never satisfied He's not like the dad who's emotionally distant that just puts up with you. No, Jesus is absolutely crazy about you. In fact, the whole Bible tells this story. The whole Bible tells you just how crazy God is for you. In Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, it says, because you are precious in his eyes, you are precious in God's sight. Isaiah 49 says, can a woman Forget nursing her child that she would have, not have compassion on her, the son in her womb. It's interesting. He's pointing to a, a mother's care and concern for her infant child. Uh, most of us fathers would say our wives, moms are probably, um, they're more attentive than fathers are, right? Most of us would say that. In fact, I remember my wife, she'd be like, hey, Kevin, did you see that, uh, you know, when the kids were young, did you see the baby got a new freckle by his ear? And I'm like, now which kid is that, number two or three? Like, help me remember that. And what, what, what Isaiah is saying is that even these, even moms, they forget. But God will never forget you. That God knows you better. That God watches you more closely than even the most attentive and love-stricken Mom, Zephaniah 3 says, Lord God, uh, the Lord God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you in gladness. That Jesus rejoices over us in gladness. He quiets us by his love. And listen to this, that he exalts, he rejoices, he celebrates over us in loud singing, That God, in his joy for us, he he sings over us. This is why I love singing. This is why my kids have to put up with me singing at the house. Because I'm rejoicing over them because I love them so much. That's what God does for us. Psalm 139, listen to these words. It says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, he says your eyes, they saw my unformed substance. I, I think we call that a fetus. That, that, that you saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days which you have formed for me. That God looked at you while you were in your mother's womb. And he, he planned his life out to be your father. I love this. He says, he says where can I go from your spirit? Or where could I flee from your presence? He says, if I ascend up into heaven, God, you are there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, which is the Old Testament word for hell, that God, you are there with me as well. Man, do you just hear how crazy he is about you? Like, do you, do you have a, a longing inside of you to, to, to be somebody special? Listen, you are special to God. Do you, do you yearn to matter, to be important? Listen, you matter very much to him. Do you know how much he thinks about you? He just said that, that, that he knew us in our womb before we were even born. He laid out the details of our lives to be our father. Do you know how valuable you are to him? That I'm pretty sure the psalmist just said that even if I go to hell, that God's going to pursue me, that he's there with me. Luke chapter 15, I love this chapter. Again, I want you to grasp just how crazy Jesus is about you. Luke chapter 15, it paints this crazy picture that if God had 100 sheep, he's got all of these sheep, and you are the one sheep who gets away. You go off to go do your thing. That he loves you and so crazy about you that he leaves the 99 and goes and chastens and follows after you. So I don't know what your dad experience was but that is amazing how passionate and how crazy God is about you Second thing about the everlasting father I want you to see the everlasting father is compassionate towards you He's compassionate towards you Again, because we suffer the effects of the failures of our earthly fathers, so many of us, we view God as somebody who who won't accept us just as we are, right? We're just too broken. We're too messed up. We've sinned too many times. Or we we view God as someone that we have to please, someone whose love comes with, you know, strings attached, That I've got to do just these right things in order for him to love me. And if I don't do the right things, then he's going to yank his love for me and his acceptance from me. In fact, some of us this week, some of us this week, we blew it. We blew it big time. And we are fearful. God, I know you're going to punish me. God, I know you're angry with me. God, I know you're mad at me. In fact, some of us, we work so hard to try and stay on God's good side. That we go to church, we try and read our Bible, we try and obey what God would want us to do. Not because we are overwhelmed by God's grace, but because deep down we do not really believe that God accepts us just as we are. We don't really believe that God loves us just as we are. Listen, Psalm 103. Psalm 103. It says, The Lord is merciful, gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide you. He won't, keep his anger from, or he won't keep his anger forever. He won't deal with us according to our sins. He will not repay us according to our iniquities. Listen to this. As high as the heavens are above, so great is his love for us. As far as the east is from the west, he removes our transgressions for him. Verse 13, as a father, the ideal father, he is compassionate. So the Lord is compassionate to those who trust him. Do you hear that? Do you hear the compassion that the everlasting father has towards us? That he knows all the dumb things we've done. He knows all the the rebellion. He sees all of our sin. And in spite of that, in spite of that, he still chooses to be compassionate. He still chooses to to love us. That the perfect father is is, is full of compassion. That that, that we're not worried about his anger. We're, we're, We're just ready to experience his grace. That his love never fails. His love never runs out. His love never grows cold. His love is never, never withdrawn from you. That is who the everlasting Father is. And I'll, I'll just speak for myself. Perhaps one of the most liberating things in my entire life was that I, when I came to the realization that there is nothing, there is nothing that I can do to make God love me any more, to make God love me any less. There is such liberation and freedom that comes from us recognizing that. That God sees you just as you are, and he loves you. He still chooses you. He knows you. He is crazy about you. It's the compassion of the everlasting Father. Third thing I want us to hear about the everlasting father is that he is always, 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 always there. There's never a time he's not. Hebrews 13, 5, there's this wonderful promise that he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, I did a little Greek study this week. That word never in the original Greek, you know what that means? It means never, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever will God leave you or forsake you. In fact, I, I heard this crazy story. I uh, love, uh, love reading just stuff. And so I read about the World Trade Centers. And I don't know if you guys have heard this story. But there was a blind guy who worked at the World Trade Center on, the, uh, on 9-11. He worked on the 77th floor. And, and, and so he had a seeing, eye God, a seeing eye dog. I know we all have our emotional support animals. Uh, but this guy had the seeing eye dog. He needed the seeing eye dog. This is 2000, 2001. And so he goes to work that day. He's on the 77th floor. He's at work with a seeing eye dog sitting in this little cubicle. And, the fir- and that's when the first uh, plane hits the tower. And he hears all this rumbling go around him again. He can't see what's going on. His dog's kind of freaking out like, what's going on? And he starts hearing these alarms. He sees going on. The dog comes and sits right next to him and waits right next to him. The guy's like, all right, well, I guess, I guess we need to get out of here. So the guy straps the harness on the dog and starts trying to follow the dog. And and as they make their way to the the stairwell, and you can picture the stairwell. Stairwell, you've got a mass of people in hysteria trying to get out of this building. You've got first responders trying to come up the stairwell, trying to get into the building to try and help people. And he's got his dog, and they kind of have to walk side by side. And he's just realizing, man, there isn't room. Like, we can't really navigate the stairwell. We're going to be trampled. And so this guy makes this decision. He says, You know what? He steps off to the side onto one of the window floors and he lets his dog go. He's like, You know what? We're not going to make it together. You go ahead. Dog's name was Salty. Salty, you go ahead. Dog goes into the stairwell and it comes right back and plants himself right next to this owner. Nope, we're not going to go unless we go together. So that dog took that man by his hand, led him down 77 flights of stairs, led him through the mass hysteria until they found relief and they made their way out. Listen, I know that some of you haven't experienced that. I know some of us are are always worried. We long to have the presence of our Father. We long to wish he was in our life. We long to wish maybe he didn't pass away and he was still here and we could still call him to this day. But listen, I need you to hear this. I need you to hear about the everlasting father that he promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That when we have turned our back on him, he will not walk away from us. He will not leave us even when we have made our bed in Sheol, that he will never disappoint, he will never forsake us, he will never leave us, and he will never die on us. That is our everlasting Father. It is so important that we understand the, the significance of this and we embrace our eternal Father. Listen, I know we still carry, many of us, we still carry those wounds. We still carry those hurts. And we come to a time like this in Christmas season and and we just long for for having dad next to us. Listen, I'm sorry if that's your experience. I know what it's like. But I also want you to hear this because I believe that God wants to bring healing to some of those wounds today. Listen, if you're a dad in here today and you're kind of feeling a little bit overwhelmed, like, man, I've really dropped the ball with my kids. Listen, my encouragement to you is apologize. Apologize to your kids and point them to the everlasting Father. If you're sitting here frustrated and hurt because of the experiences you've had, listen, please do not judge. Please do not judge our Heavenly Father by your earthly Father but rather flip that around and evaluate your earthly father through the lens of the everlasting father. Because God is the real one. Your dad was just a replica. You understand that? God is the real father. Your dad was just a a, a replica. That God is the father who you have longed for. He's the father you have searched for. And when we begin to realize that, that the dad that we want is found in him, Man, that's, that's when we can begin to heal. That's when we can begin to forgive. We read this verse earlier, Zephaniah 3, 17. It says, the Lord rejoices over you with gladness. And listen to this. He will quiet you by his love. Do you hear that? That God will quiet you with his love and that's what I want you to do today I want you to allow God to to quiet you and to to comfort you and to minister to you today with his love thinking back to to our kids when they were growing up remember a couple years ago when I taught Oliver how to ride a bike if you know my son Oliver man he's crazy so we're teaching him how to ride a bike, and he's like, look, Dad, and he's doing, uh, he's drifting, he's got jumps built, he's doing all sorts of, and I'm like, dude, you just learned how to ride, like, like be careful here. I taught him how to ride, and there was a day I was inside the house, I was working on something, and uh, I hear the front door bust open, and there's Ollie comes in, and he's got his elbows all bloodied up, his knees all bloodied up, he, he's crying, he's got gravel coming out of his skin. He jumps in my arms, and, and I'm like, dude, what's wrong? You know, and, you know, when kids get this point, they're crying so hard, you can't make out what they're saying. They're just not coming out of everywhere. And you're like, oh, don't get that on me. And it's just pouring out, you know. And he's just crying, and he's crying. And you pick him up, and you squeeze him. And you whisper in his ear, say, little buddy, it's going to be okay. You begin to pray over him. Say, God, would you help and comfort Oliver? God, would you help his knees to stop hurting? God, would you help him to feel strong? And I'm praying, and it's just this beautiful thing because his breathing begins to settle down. His tears begin to stop. He starts feeling a little bit better. said, maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been left, maybe life has left you with bloody elbows and bloody knees and you can sit in a room like this and nobody even knows the pain that you're going through. Let me tell you what. When you go running and when you jump into the arms of the everlasting Father, He's going to whisper in your ear. He's going to say, it's okay. He's going to say, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. He's going to calm you. He's going to quiet you with his love. He's going to give you his peace. He's going to remind you of that promise that says, I will never, ever, 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 ever leave you or forsake you. That's what I want to invite you to do today. I want to invite you to spend some time with the everlasting Father. And maybe today you just need to acknowledge your hurt. Acknowledge your frustration. Acknowledge the pain that you've held on to. Acknowledge the impact that your father has had on your life. Acknowledge that before God. And then be willing to set that aside. And cry out to the everlasting father. And and pray and plead with him today. Say, God, would you quiet me with your love? Would you allow me to experience who you are today? Allow me not just to theologically understand, but allow me to to, to embrace in my heart how crazy you are about me. That we would uh, ask God and say, God, would you give me the ability to to, to not just know about your compassion, but to feel it deep down, to know that there's nothing I can do that would make you love me any more or any less. And that today, that you would experience his presence. The presence that he has promised that he will never, ever leave you. Listen, if you don't know the everlasting father, I'll tell you what, you were created for him. And this is the good news, is that today you can know him that he died to remove your sin so that you can have a relationship with him. He wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. The question is, will you receive him? Let's pray.